Hi everyone and welcome to part two of the Jim Rock podcast. Um, thanks for everyone who's already listened to part one. Um, so in part one we obviously went through the amateur career and how Jim got started in boxing and then it sort of took us right through to the uh, start of the professional career. This episode's now going to take us into the title fights um, that Jim had and obviously all the successes throughout the entire career and then we'll find out a little bit about you know how life's been since boxing and what Jim's currently up to. So yeah, hope everyone really enjoys. If we sort of look at the career, um, you won the first, I think it was six or seven fights. And then, I mean, when I was looking back at your record, you were matched against Ensley Bingham in, I think, your seventh or eighth fight, which was a really tough matchup against someone who was a former British champion. Um, and you came out in the losing end of that one. Looking back, was it too soon just that you were being put in against someone so, you know, so experienced? No, no, not really. Um, so... Angie Bingham was the current British champion when I oh, fought. Was he? Right, okay. And he was also WBO Intercontinental Champion at the time. And he had just got beaten by Winky Wright for the world title. Right. And Winky Wright was a world champion, I think, for seven years or oh, something yeah. like that. So better. what happened was I had turned, I had signed up with Warren. I had my first fight against a fellow called George Richards. He was 11 and 2. I bet him. Then I had another fight against. Um, some fella called Robert Ninjoy. It was his debut, but Brendan Ingle said, it was myself and Jason Rowland. Was it Jason Rowland? No, a fella called Kalik. I think he fought Jason Rowland, but anyway, That's right. Brendan said, listen, they're bringing the two of yous down here to get beaten. I was saying, but my fella's only making his debut. He said, no, they're bringing you down here to get beaten anyway. So anyway, I went down, I stopped my fella in the third round but Warren like you know you could never get Frank Warren on the phone and he'd never get you the fights that he said he was going to get you and all that so like I was sort of on the phone all the time looking for fights and then two weeks before the Enzy Bingham fight I rang up and next of all I don't know whether it was Andy Ayling or I think it was Andy Ayling said listen there's a fight there if you want he said Enzy Bingham on the same so Nassim Hamad was fighting and Chris Eubank was on the card as well. So oh, no. they said, do you want to fight Enzi Bingham? And I says, yeah, all right. They said, uh, he's a British champion. And I said, well, I won't be fighting a British champion. They said, well, are you not from Bel-? I said, I am. I said, but I said, I will not be taking out a British license. I says, you know what I mean? I says, I says it's one thing I wouldn't do. I said, like, and, and I, I remember saying it to them. And I said to them, I said, uh, I said, I can tell you one thing, lads. I says, I says, there's hundreds of men have been killed trying to fight for Irish freedom. I says, and there's no way that I'm going to give up my Irish sovereignty just to fight for a British title. That would mean absolutely nothing to me. Mm -hmm. You know? So they said, well, well, fight him over eight rounds. And I said, well, fair enough. So I went out. I fought Bingham. The Bingham, they said at the time, was the biggest one-punch knockout artist in British history and all that lark. Um, I knew going in that... One of the fellas out of the Brendan Ingle gym stopped me and he says to me, Jim, at the way in, he says to me, Jim, he says, he said, Bingham's asking all the questions about you. He says, you know, what's this fella like and all? And I just said, oh, he says, you're, you're going to be in for a fucking fight with this fella. Mm-hmm. He said to Bingham. So I went out. So I won, I think, five of the four, six rounds. It's only two more rounds to go. Yeah. So... Rounds one, two, and three, no bother. Bet him. I think he might have won round four. 
five and six I won. Round seven, I went out. And rounds four, five and six, Bingham came out like a train for the first 30 seconds. So I saw the weather, the storm, and then I bet him for the next two and a half minutes. So yeah. it's far fitter than him, far stronger than him. So round seven, he came out, done the same again. He threw something like, it's on YouTube, the fight is on YouTube anyway. He threw, I think, something like 14 punches and I'm ducking and diving and I'm underneath him. And it's about two of them clipped me about the head. And I saw the ref just comes in and stops the fight. Yeah. I, I actually watched it last night and the commentators say that was a bad stoppage straight away. Oh, listen. And they're the British commentators. Yeah. So they're the ones that are... Bigging him up. Pro Frank Warren and pro yeah. his fighters. So, I mean, you can see when he stops the fight and Reverend, and I tell him, and then Bingham comes over to me and you can clearly see me telling him to fuck off. Right. Because right. I, I was raging. Yeah. And I was... It was the... Like... I was on the verge, like again, that's when I was I was fairly young. But I was on the verge. When I thought like I was on the verge of bursting him in the ring after that, bing him. Really? You were that's so angry. I felt like just like battering him in the ring. And again, it's just because you can't do that in a boxing ring. But like I felt like doing it. Yeah. Um but so I, I like to me I said uh, I was stitched up, but as loads of people said to me, Jim. There's no way they can have the British champion and WBO Intercontinental Champion and a fella who's fought Winky Wright and went the distance with Winky Wright, beaten by a seven fight novice Addy. Yeah. He says in Birmingham. Uh, you know. So, you know, I was raging, but I mean, like, you know, what can you do? And no, of uh, course, yeah, no, absolutely. No, no, it's it's, uh... it's boxing, you know what I mean? Um, and in saying that, then what happened was after that fight, I remember I was fighting in Dublin and fighting, and I remember Brian Peters saying to me, <coughs> he says, you know, he says, he says, I, your opponents are getting paid more than you now, Jim, he says. He says, they don't want to fight you now because of the NZ Bingham fight. Yeah. They don't want to fight you. He says, you're, you're, you're like a danger man now because mm -hmm. you've done so well in that fight. He says, they don't want to fight you. Yeah. He says, so we have to pay them more money because they know they're getting in and they're going to, they're going to be, like, even if they were good enough to beat you, they're going to be in for a one hell of a tough fucking fight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of so, um, so, you know, it, it didn't do me any... The loss didn't do me any harm. Didn't do me any good either. No. You know, um, I remember one of the journalists from Dublin saying that, uh, you know, I gained more in defeat from that loss than I did in all my other wins. Right. You know, so it has, it has its, its pros yeah, and its cons. Yeah. yeah. You know, but the good thing was, uh, as well, like straight after that, am I right in thinking, did you go 12 rounds and win your first title off the back of that? Yeah, but it wasn't off the back of it. What happened was, that was in that was in April. So in September, there was a fight on in Dublin. There was a fellow called Syl McLean, and he ran a show in the basketball arena in Dublin. So I was due to fight uh, a six-round fight um, at light middleweight. So 10 days before the, before the bill, I get a phone call. It says, uh, listen, Hassel Collins was due to be chief support. He was fighting for that super middleweight title because he was super middleweight. And he got cut sparring by a fella called Steve Dawson, another pal of mine from Dublin, an ex-boxer right. as well. So Steve Steve Dawson cuts him sparring. So I get a phone call. I said, look at Jim. Uh, Hassel Collins is out. All right, fair enough. And he's fighting for the WAA super middleweight title. Would you 
Yeah. Yeah, fine. But you'd have to move up to super middleweight. It's no bother. That's a full stone and weight. Full stone and weight. 10 days notice. And going from six rounds to 12 rounds. Well, that's crazy, Jim. You know, um, and I mean, like, Bingham was the most I'd ever done. He was the seventh round. So, but like, again, Mike Callahan says to me, uh, <coughs> he brought me out running one Saturday morning. And he said, he brought me to, um, he lived in Willowbank Gardens. And there was a dog track facing him on the Antrim Road there. Dunville, I think it was called. Dunville mm -hmm. Park, was it? Yeah, yeah. And beside, beside that was another park. And he brought me over there. And he was in his car. And he said, right. And he had me run around. He said, right now, run around this field on, on the track for three minutes. Right. Fairly quick. Right. Then for the next minute, he said, right, just take your time. Nice and easy. And he got me doing that 12 rounds. All right. 12 times. So then I was finished. No, which I found very easy. Like, I was a very good runner. I loved running. Yeah. I ran and ran and ran. I was like a didn't Forrest Gump nearly, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but he just said to me after, he says, that's, he says, what sometimes, he says, you're well able. He says, so the reason for the 12, for the 12 trees is, he says, high tempo for your fight. He says, and then the minute gives you the rest. He said, just psychologically to get that yeah, into no, your head. That's a good, good idea. You know, I suppose so close yeah. to the thing. What can you do? But that was a good, yeah. good uh, ploy. And then I went out and I fought. Again, I fought a fellow that I had trained with in Brendan Ingalls' gym, Michael Monaghan. Yes. So, um, like, I knew that he wasn't going to be able to, I knew he wasn't going to be able to hurt me because mm -hmm. I knew that physically I was, physically I was stronger than him. You know what I mean? So I I yeah. no fears going in or anything like that. And again, Fighting in Dublin, you know, front of your crowd. Of course, like, and for a belt just, as well, as you mentioned uh, earlier. I mean, I'd have I'd have gladly took that belt. If someone says to me, listen, you can have that belt or you can have the lotto. The lotto there is a million quid. I'd say, look, fuck the lotto. You know what I mean? Like, loads of people can win lottos. Yeah. You just to pick a number. But they can't win belts. They can't go out and fight and win a title. So, like for me, it was the title. That's what that's Brilliant. what I wanted. The belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so I fought that and I won that. And I have to say, like, like that sort of elevated me. Then you know what I mean? And it sort of it, it set me on the path for winning titles. You know what I mean? Did because I mean I think you won the next twelve contests. I think when I was looking, you went on a great run. And I mean, I don't want to leave out any of the titles, but I think you won two Irish titles. Fairly soon after that, and then was it like a WBF European and stuff? You can tell us some yeah. of the titles. So I think I won the WBF European. So I fought that fight in uh, that was a twelve rounder in September. Then in the January, I fought the end of the January. I fought against Jimmy Vincent. Yes. Over 10 rounds. And Jimmy Vincent is the one that Eamon won the world he's, title he's against. A tough man. And he, he should have been British champion member against, yeah. was it uh, David Barnes? He should have been. David Barnes, yeah. yeah. So, now when I fought Jimmy Vincent, I weighed 11 stone 5. He came in at 12. He was meant to be 11 stone 6. He came in at 12 stone 1. Right. You know. And I remember them saying to me, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, what can I do? I said, like, I need to fight. Yeah. What am I going to say? He's not going to take the weight off. I said, well, look, you don't have to fight him. Like, he's nearly, like, he's nine pounds heavier than you. You know, I said, yeah, but I can't I've sold all the tickets here. Yeah. All my pals are coming to see me fight. I said, like, and it was in Vicar Street. I think it's the only time there was ever a professional show in Vicar Street in Dublin. Right. You know, and it was a great, it was a great night. So I fought him there. So then that was January. 
Then February, I went to Middlesbrough and I fought for the WBF light middleweight title. Oh, right. So you won two of them. Jeez. Yeah, so I fought for the WBF light middleweight title. And then March the 17th or something like that, which is three weeks later, I fought for the Irish super middleweight title. Crazy. <laughs> you know, um, and that was just because the, I think the, the middleweight one and the light middleweight one was tied up with someone else. So I fought against a fellow called Michael Alexander. Now, mm-hmm. he does all the big fights and he does the Joshua fights and all. He's a A-star. Oh, really? whatever. Yeah, oh, he does He does all them, he does. And uh, I met him there. I met him in Belfast there or in London. I met him somewhere. I won the fights a couple of years ago and I was chatting away to him. And I said, oh, I was, and he said, oh, he said, he says, I'm a better, he said, I'm a better referee than I am a fighter. Right. And I said, and I said to him, I said, well, listen, I says, you didn't fight in Dublin. I said, you just fucking get, he gave up like the first round. Like, I think I hit him a good shot in the, at first, but then the next two times, him. next two times I put him down in the first round. I mean, like, I mean, like, uh, I think a, a feather would have blew him over. Right, I, he just. Okay. I don't know whether the fourth dig really damaged him. Um, I think I might have got him around the back of the head somewhere. But anyway, he just he gave up. Like, and I, I was raging because, you know, I wanted the people to see a fucking fight. Yeah, of course, yeah. Not someone bound out like like a, a Nancy boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that was, that was, was that the Irish title. That one. That just... was the Irish super middleweight title. Yeah. So that was the first Irish title. One was super middleweight. That, yeah, that was the fourth one, and then. A couple of years later, then I went to Bethnal Green, mm-hmm. and I fought against Alan Gray for the mm-hmm. Irish light middleweight title. Okay, but that was the night that Caruth fought Adrian Stone. Oh yes, for the IBO world title. That's the IBO great. light middleweight title. So we were set to fight. Went over there. Caruth misses his weight. He weighed in eleven stone two and a half, and. Uh, he didn't even he, he was so drained to make the eleven stone two and a half. He 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 didn't even try and he couldn't get that two and a half. He didn't even try and get two and a half pound off. Yeah. I weighed in, I think, ten stone eleven and a half. So I said to uh Brian Peters and I said, I fight fucking stone. Do you know what I mean? Like, let me fight Adrian Stone. I says, I said, I'll fight you. So I was dying to because I was in great nick. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was in great shape. And I was saying, yeah, and I was saying like Stone and a rock. What a great mix. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fight. But uh again, no, Caruth went out for him and, and I mean like he was he was drained. I mean like he he didn't he didn't box well, he got stopped in the fifth round. That is like anger. Was that his last pro fight, Jim? Um yeah, he retired yeah. after that, yeah. Yeah. Um so and, and then I went and fought the ten rounds against and I have to say, of all my Irish title fights, so I mean like I fought two super middleweight ones, so I won the title, defended it once, uh, won the Irish middleweight one, won the light heavyweight one, and they were all stoppages. Whereas the light middleweight one, he took me to 10 rounds. Right. Alan Gray, so so. You, you would think the opposite, the higher up in weight, the harder it is to stop them, but you were actually yeah. stopping them. Yeah. I stopped all them, but didn't stop Alan Gray. We went okay. to 10 rounds, and a right, right tough, good fight, you know what I mean? Yeah, brilliant. Um, but uh, that was like, in that sort of period, in that six months, I had like in that six months I had like won the the intercontinental super middleweight title, won the intercontinental light middleweight title, and then won the Irish super middleweight title. So it was it was That's an amazing. active period. Yeah. 
That's a, that's amazing. You think you know you'd have been happy maybe at the start of the career with one belt, and now you're sitting with maybe four or five around your waist. You know, no, I, I had three of them, but I mean, like, but the last three fights, so the Jimmy Vincent fight, the Pedro Carraher fight, which was the WBF title, and then the Irish fight, them three fights were in the space of seven weeks. Right. Jeez. So two of them, three of them were ten round fights. You know, oh, it doesn't really happen in this. Super fit. Jim, you were obviously a super fit guy. Like, you know, to even take that on. You know, usually if you have a title fight, you'd maybe take nearly a month off before you even yeah. think about going back in the gym. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I mean, look at, you know, I mean, yeah, that'll tell you. Like, the spars up in John Breen's gym were like, I mean, the fights were easy. Yeah. I mean, I always say the fight is the easy part. It's the training is the hard part. Yeah. You know, so, um, so I mean, like, because there's a such of a a famine with regards to I mean you can be boxing and then you might be boxing for six months or eight months or nine months so I mean you just better take them fights yeah, so, when yeah. they when they come yeah because absolutely. there's loads of times when when you don't get the fights you know yeah of course and I mean just as you mentioned the gym there um Neil Sinclair around this stage then the late nineties would have came through in the John Breen's gym obviously welterweight very similar to yours I spoke to Neil in a podcast there a few months back. And he said you were one of the toughest spars he ever had. He says Jim was. He says we used to have some great spars. He says one tough, tough man. Yeah. So um, we. Uh, so obviously Neil was. So he was Barry Heron fighter. Mm-hmm. You know he was training with Barry Heron, and <coughs> then I think he 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 had a loss or something like that around the sort of. I think it was around the 90, 97 or something he like did, that, yes, and he started. Right, yes. He went out boxing for a while, maybe a six-month period or something, and then he came back. But when he came back, I had probably had about seven wins, and I was like middleweight. And he sort of, he challenged me in the papers. He mentioned my name in Belfast in the Telegraph or something like that. So, and he said, oh, I'd like to fight Jim Rock. Now, to me, at that, see, now I say to myself, you know, I take that as a compliment. Back then, I took it as someone challenging me. Right, your and, back was up. And yeah, and, and I go back into me leading street fighting days. So I went, so he was fighting in the Ulster Hall. He had his comeback fight in the Ulster Hall. And I went down and then he got out of the ring and I went over to him. You know, and I, again, like, make no mistake about it, I would have thought nothing about giving him a box in the mouth. There and then. Okay. You know, and, and that's the way I was back then. Like, I just... I didn't take shit off anyone. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, but I remember I went down and I said, what are you, what are you fucking saying you want to fight me? I said, you know what I mean? I said, you know, and Paul McCullough. So, you know, who's the referee now. Yeah, oh yeah. So, and we only spoke about this a couple of years ago, me and Paul McCullough. And, and I said to him, I said, remember we nearly had a, a row. And he said, oh, he said, I never said that. And Danny went Jim. I said, no, neither do I. But so Paul McCullough said, I think he knew by me that I was on the verge of giving him a box. So Paul sort of stepped in and said, I'll leave him. And I said, it's nothing to do with you. And he said, and we sort of looked at each other and had a bit of a standoff with each other. Now, bear in mind, I was living in Fra McCullough's house. And yeah. Fra was my friend. And he was Fra's nephew. And uh, he just, you know, and I knew Paul was a tough, uh, you know, he's a tough guy as well in Belfast. Oh, God, yeah, you know, yeah. Good boxer in his own right now too. Yeah, and he was, and he was a, like, he's given a few digs outside the outside ring. Outside the ring, yeah. You know, um, so, I mean, like, so there was a bit of a sort of a standoff between me and him. And from then on, we saw that when he came in, we just saw that we just sort of looked at each other. We never saw the spoke or anything like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a bit of a, you know, 
But th- thankfully, he got in between you and Neil otherwise. <laughs> oh, listen, if he hadn't got in, like, like I don't know whether I would have given him a box or not. And, and I know Neil, and I know from Neil now, that, and then when he came to our gym, that, like, Neil wouldn't be wouldn't be a street fighter. No. Like, I think that would have shocked the life out of him. I don't yeah. think he'd know what would happen if you gave him a box outside the ring. Yeah. Because he's just, that's not in his nature. You know what I mean? Yeah. But for me, for someone to to sort of challenge me, like, I always took it very personal. Yeah, you did. And, absolutely. And, and now, like, looking back, like, I shouldn't have. But but I did. That's just the way I was back then. Everything was, yeah. you know, he like, I never, I would have never challenged anyone or said that about anyone. Unless I was prepared to, let's say, whether it be in or out of the ring. Yeah, you took a trust. If someone said they wanted to have your faith, that man. Yeah, anyway. but but then he came to our then he came to our gym, and um, I remember the first time I sparred him. Like like I'm a very I'm a very easy sparrer, as in like I don't get up for sparring. I just spar. I go through the rounds. I get me workout done. Blah blah. And I wouldn't consider myself to be a good sparrer, even you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I like I fight a lot better than I. Than I spar. Okay. Whereas some fighters Leave spar a lot better. Yeah. Some, yeah. You know. So um. But I know when I sparred him the first time, I saw that I treated it really as a fight. But okay. then it's on the years, to yourself. Yeah, but for the years after that, we had some great. Like he'd beat me some days, I'd beat him some days, and. I mean, yeah, but we the two were great. Of your careers, you were both doing well around that time. It probably and Eamon as well. All three of you oh, probably well, Eamon, each other on. Me and Eamon, well, like Eamon, Eamon, I credit with bringing me on the most. Right. And and realistically, like when I was an amateur, I always got beaten by Southpaws, and I hated Southpaws. So then I turned pro, and fuck me, I've to spare this fucker McGee, who's a great Southpaw. Yeah. Every day, and I mean, like, and not only is he a great Southpaw, but like he's a big digger. Now mm-hmm. he's a bit lighter than me, but he's still a big digger. Oh yeah, and he's, and he's 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 uh like he's he's venomous with his punches. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know he when waste anything even he when he lets him go, there's always something. Yeah, but you know when he when he's bending down, he's hitting you these left hooks. But you know he's trying to break your ribs <laughs> in a nice way, but right. like <laughs> in a nice he, way, he has that. He has that evil streak yeah. in Which him. You, may, you maybe need, you know. Ah, you do. Look it. Of course. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. he has a little bit more than most people. Put it like yeah, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but but look at, we all, we all trained and we all helped each other. And that was all, you know, yeah. like, I mean, like, you couldn't, you couldn't bring in sparring partners. Like that, uh, the caliber that we were at there oh, yeah. for each other. You know, myself, Eamon, Neil, with Danny Juma. With mm-hmm. Mark Winters, I mean, right. with Oscar Cheke as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was just it we're all around the same week, so we all bounced off each other and all learned off each other. No, brilliant. And then something I suppose now that we're talking about Nathan Clare and stuff there around two thousand and three, then you had that big opportunity against Takaloo, at, which back then it was the Odyssey. Remember, it was the new this new arena. And yeah. Neil Sinclair was going to be defending his British title to win it outright. And then you were fighting Takaloo. I remember watching that fight in the house. Um, and I I thought you boxed so well that night. You know, you were boxing yeah. really well, you were doing well, and then obviously he caught you that shot. Tell us about obviously the, what you made of that fight. So the Takaloo fight again came out, out of nowhere. So <laughs> Frank Warren was in Belfast for some reason, something to do with some fight. I think there was a fight on a couple of months before that, six months before or something like that. And 
Mickey Hughes. Do you remember Mickey Hughes? Oh yeah, Mickey Hughes. Oh god, yeah, yeah. He used to always drive around Eamon and stuff. And yes, yeah. now, so, yeah, I would say yes. So Mickey Hughes was driving, was organising transport for them and that. You know what I mean? And I was up. I just happened to be up that day. I was in a a Bentley Continental. You know what I mean? Very, very nice, nice car. <laughs> and so I'm chatting away to Mickey, and he says, "No, oh, he says uh, I'm picking up Frank." He says to bring him to the arena. I said, all right. Or to bring him to the Europa, one or the other. It was either bringing him from somewhere to the Europa or bringing him from the Europa to somewhere. So he says, uh, you know, he's, this fight's coming up. He says, it's going to be on the Odyssey. He says, and uh, he says, you should try and get him to get you. You should put it into his head about Takaloo, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I said, all right, yeah. He said, why don't you go and pick him up? He says, in the Bentley. You know what I mean? So like, now there would have been two would have been two sides to that for Mickey. One is Mickey would have been saying, "Well, listen, you might get the fight." And secondly, knowing Mickey, he probably charged them for picking him up, but I would have done it for free, right? Right. Oh, so he probably would have made a few quid as well. He probably sure would have enough. charged them for the for the for the Bentley picking him up. But anyway, I went and picked up Frank, and he said, "What are you doing, Jim?" And all and I said, oh, "So I haven't fought in over a year." I said, "Bloody blah." I said, "Jesus, I'd love to fight that tackle loot." He said, oh, "I'll make that fight," and that's it. That was, it. It was made within made within two or three days, and that's how it was made. And it's right. just purely so. But I don't think I'd fought in nineteen months or something like that. Or oh, maybe really? I had a six round fight or something like that. Maybe that was all I had. I was yeah. sort of inactive, so um, I trained really hard for the fight. And um, we had a game plan. I went out doing very well. You were, yeah. I wasn't tired. Like fitness level was great. I remember going back to my corner after the eighth round and John says to me, uh, how are you feeling? I said, great. He says, right, but he says, you know, you're into the the, the last tour of the fight. You know what I mean? He says, so I'll tell you what to do now. Start pushing him back now. You know what I mean? Because I'd always very strong. You know what I mean? Right, fair enough. And I went out and I remember, <laughs> it was, so I was throwing my jabs out and I remember I just threw the jab and then I just woke up in the changing room, realistically. Right. He came over my jab with an overhand right and nailed me. Yeah. Bang on the money. Shot, I just, yeah. Oh, it was a great things. shot, you know. No, I got up and all that, as you can see. Well, that's I what I to say. I mean, a lot of men, a lot of people wouldn't get up from that shot. It was amazing to me that you even got to your feet. Oh, listen, they were all saying, like, they, like, they, like the commentators couldn't believe they're saying, like, how do you even get up from that? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but I mean, um, like, I was fucking raging because... I'd never been like I was only put down once as an amateur. No, I was put down twice as an amateur. I was put down once in sparring mm-hmm. um, in St. Saviour's Boston Club got by a fella called Thomas Mullen, absolutely smashing fighter. Um, and then I was put down by a fella from Warren Point, a fella called Diamond. Okay. And I met him before I fought Takalu in the foyer. And he said, Oh Jim, how are you? Diamond. I I was going for and then Maybe later on when I was talking to him after, I says, you're a fucking jinx, you were. Yeah. <laughs> you must, you had it in my head about that. Yeah. So, uh, but like, you know, I didn't take, I like, the lot didn't bother me because I was delighted to have fought for the world, to fight for the world title. Of course, yeah. Was, like, you know, a big you. stage, big arena. Yeah, so I was delighted to have fought for it. I would have been more delighted if I won. Yeah. But I mean, loads of fighters don't get the chance to fight for a world title. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, like, it was still an honour to fight for it. I got I mean, he, was a, he was a very good fighter on his day, Tackle. He, he could be world class when he was on, on top form. You know, he, he had yeah. some nights, but yeah, he was he was a dangerous yeah. guy. Like I think he relied on his dig all the time. But I'd taken yeah. 
I taken some big shots off him earlier on and they didn't bother me. So I mean, like you know, and there's and one thing I said all the time in all the interviews coming up, I said like I don't care how big a digger he is. I said he won't be putting me down. Yeah, but he did. Famous so I mean, words, yeah. yeah, but I mean, like I mean, that's you know, it's like to say like you know, you can't go out in the rain without getting wet. Yeah, you know, you can't go out to the boxing ring without getting punched. You know, yeah, and, and and just that punch was just bang on the money. Caught me. I mean. If I'd fought him a thousand times, I mean, whether I beat him or not, but he'd have never caught me with that shot. No, it was at just that exact time. Perfectly timed. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just one of them things. It, it happens. Yeah, um, sure. But again, there was no harm in it because, I, again, I was delighted to fall for the title and, uh, you know, I didn't win it. But, I mean, I've no regrets about it. You no, know? no, that's great. And, I mean, listen, we're obviously going to talk. There's a lot of victories and there's more victories to come. But I'm right in thinking that straight after that fight, you then lost, like, by one point to, was it Alan Jones? So, sort of back-to-back defeats. Was that a tough time? Or maybe you're well, thinking, God, it's all going against you? Well, see, I had that, uh, I had that defeat. And then I think about... I remember about five days after that, I'd done the commercial for Powerade. I remember that. Were you skipping in the gym? Skipping, yeah. So I, I done that. that. So that was for power aid. I done it, and then about five days after that, I had a crash, a car crash. Right. I wasn't wasn't badly serious, but I damaged my knee in it, and I couldn't run. I couldn't run for ages. So then, John Breen ran that show in the Ulster Hall, and he ran the show. And I said to him, uh, "John, I said, when I get on the bill, you know." And he says to me, "Jimmy, said, look, this is a real small show." He says, and there's no money in it. He says, and uh, like I wouldn't be able to pay you. That's what he said to me. And I said, John, I don't care. I said, I'll fight for the same money that the fellas are on for fucking four rounds. I said, I don't care. I said, I want to fight. Right. So he gets me Alan Jones. Now, I wasn't able to run, but I was training in the gym, but I wasn't running. Yeah. And then I fought him and... Uh, <coughs> I remember at the time, so uh, D. Irvine, he was the referee. Mm-hmm. Now, I dropped Alan Jones. I didn't. I, I gave him a count in one of the rounds. Another time I dropped him and he didn't get a count for it. Um, But as far as I'm concerned, I won the first five rounds. And the fourth one, or the round one or two, whatever one I put him down, would have been a 10-8 round. Yeah. He won the last three rounds because I was... Uh, I hadn't got the, the stamina with a running. I hadn't got the stamina. But I still thought that I'd easily done enough to win. And then I was fucking raging. That yeah. I didn't get like because even if even if you get sort of beaten in your hometown and it's a close enough fight, well you get the rub of the green, usually. Yeah. And that's what, so like I sort of uh I thought the same as the majority of the people up there thought that I had been dealt uh, a raw deal. Right, and it was okay. by a Belfast referee. Yeah, um, okay. And again, me being me and having to have me say, I said, apparently I said something to D. Irvine about it. And there was a some sort of podcast on there only a few weeks ago. And yeah, so, yeah. yeah, the Rocky Road one, I think he did with... with the Rocky uh, Road one. Yeah. So I got word through that, listen... Um, Jim, there's something said on this podcast about you. And I said, oh, was that right? They said, yeah. They said, uh, 
the Irvine said that he, you know, they were asking about how if he's ever been, and he said, yeah, he said I was threatened by by Jim Rock. Right. So the lad said to me, um, he said, look, you know what? And I said, well, I said, I don't know if I threatened him. I said, I probably told him I'd give him a fucking box or something like that. I said, which. I said in my head, I said I was entitled to say that. I said because yeah. I think that he stitched me up. I says, um, I says, and I still say it was a bad decision. Yeah. Um, and, but again, you know, I don't know. You know, um, that's anyway. He refereed that fight. I don't think I lost. Yeah. And I don't mind. Like I don't mind getting beat by anyone. Someone beats me, I don't like. Is that better no. than me? I don't care. Do you know what I mean? If someone's better than you, they're better than you. Yeah, but I mean, I definitely, as far as I'm concerned, I won that fight, and everyone else there thought I won the fight. Yeah, um, except for the Irvine. So I don't know if he wears glass. I don't know if he wears glasses or, like that, <laughs> right, okay. or if he's got glasses since or anything like that. But uh, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, there's no animosity between us. Oh, well, that's that's good. I thought you were going to say for a second. He said something on a podcast, so I rang him. I don't know what I was saying. No, 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 no. I. He said it on the podcast, and the lads rang me on the podcast just to say this might be coming. And I said, I don't care. I said, like, enough, if yeah. it comes out, because I, I did, I did tell him I was going to give him a box or burst him or something like yeah, that. I yeah, said, yeah. I did. I said, in the heat of the moment, I said, but um, I said it never happened, and then it never came out in the podcast either because okay. I think they, I think they cut it out because I think they were afraid that possibility there could have been some sort of repercussions from it, as in, like, if I said, I didn't say that. Like, of um, course, yeah, yeah. You don't want it to you know, turn you could sue them. But, yeah. but I said to them, I said, no, lads, I said, I did say it. I said, so I have no bother, which is, um, but the fellow who was editing it, he cut it out separate to the fellow who rang me. Um, oh, but, I mean, I mean, I didn't mind if they put it out, because if I said it, I said it. I stand yeah, over no. everything I say, whether <laughs> I'm right or wrong. Yeah, At the time, if I think I'm right, that's it. So yeah. be it, you know. And so with with Alan Jones, um, you met. Did you meet him again? Um, so, which we're gonna we'll get to. And and the good thing is about this one, it was at a bigger stage and for a, a title. So tell us about that. Getting a bit, wee bit of revenge. Yeah. So Alan Jones, so he met me that night. I got the decision that night, <clears throat> and then from that, then he gets a fight fight for the British title against uh, Scott Dan, I think. That's and right. Yeah. Scott Dan stopped him. So I always reckoned that I beat him and that I was. Had a bad decision, so the shows were on in Dublin, and uh, Brian Peters was running the shows in Dublin, and he'd ran a good few shows with Bernard Dunn, and then he said, "Look, he said I'm thinking of putting um uh, a world title fight for Bernard against Sean Hughes, I think." He says, "And we can put you on for a world title as well," and I said, "Right, well, get me, get me Alan Jones." Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, get me him. I said, I want to fight him. I said, I want to fight him over. I said, the last time I ran out of steam because of his leg, I said, so he'll think that the same is going to happen again. And this will be over 12 rounds. I said, but I'll be super fit. Yeah. So uh, so that was it. We we made the fight over 12 rounds. And uh, I mean, like my fitness was far better than his. Now, he's a fit fella. He's a, yeah. a fine fit strong fella you know what I mean make no mistake about it but I mean like I always said that my fitness was my key in the in, yeah. in the pro game I was fit I mean no matter if someone said to me listen this fella is fit and he does this I'd say I don't care there's no there's you, no there's no way oh, there's no way any of my opponents were as fit as me 
Right. None of them trained. I remember one time, like I said, I used to come from the south, from the north, and I'd come down. And sometimes I used to stay in my mas. You know, I'd come down and stay in my mas. Let's say. But I remember when I started off pro forced, and uh, I came down one night, whatever, twelve o'clock, into my mas, into bed. Went to get up at six o'clock to go for a run. And next of all, I must have woke up my dad, and he says, hey, "Who's that?" I said, "That's Jim." I said, "I'm going for a run." He says, "It's lashing outside." He says, "You know, team and rain." He says, you know, you can't go running in that. And I just said, I said, yeah, but that, I said, it mightn't be running, it mightn't be raining in England. I says, and your man might be out running. I says, so there's no way he's going to get, you know, he's going to have one up on me. I says, a bit of rain won't affect me. I said, I need to get me road work done. That's and, he just said, oh. and he just said, ah, oh, fuck, no talking to you. He says, <laughs> you know, and that's the way I was. Hail, rain or snow. I ran six days a week. No. You know, and I mean, and then whenever I decided not to I'd have a, a few weeks off training, I'd only run five days a week. <laughs> Fair play, do you take it easy? <laughs> you know what I mean? But I mean, I loved, I loved me training and I loved me running. Yeah. So I was always, I was always, I always had the stamina. Yeah. And so listen, if we talk about, I mean, so it was at the IBC world title. Um, the IBC world title. No, how, how, like, I mean, was that, a, was that a highlight of the career? You know, at the end of the day, you can, yes, people might say it's not the biggest version in the world, but I think, is it Sugar Ray Leonard or Duran? Yeah. One of them. One of them Sugar Ray Leonard yeah. fought Duran. Yes, there fought you go. Fought that title. And I remember in uh, 2006, we brought, we brought Sugar Ray Leonard, myself and Brian Peters and another fella, we'd done a couple of shows here in Dublin. Like, we brought Tyson over, we brought... Hagler over, we brought um George Foreman over and we brought oh, Sugar Ray Leonard over. So I was on the show and I was chatting to Sugar Ray and I'd said that I'd I'd won the IBC and I said no, it was only a smut and he just said he said, No, I fought for that title, he says. He says, he says and I always said, like, although people say it's only a small title and it's a, not a very recognized title, but I always said like, it was good enough for Sugar Ray Leonard. I tell you one thing. It's good enough for Jim Rock. Absolutely, absolutely. And here, and it's a beautiful belt too. I was what, looking, seeing some pictures of you um the other day holding it and stuff. You know, it's amazing. To, oh, it's to great. Like, it. I mean, like, see, this is what I say about fighting for money. People fight for money and all that. Like, money goes, you spend money, but you can't spend your belts. No. So you have them for the rest of your life. And the memories so I might, too. I might say, my seven belts at home. You know what I mean? And I mean, like, Right, they may not be, you know, the top echelon of belts compared to, you know, the Kazakis and the Roy Joneses and the Mike Tyson. But I tell you one thing, like, I'm proud of them. Absolutely. As you and say, that's yeah. the thing, you know, like, I, I love them. And it's something that I say, like, I won them. Like, and it's something that in years to come that, you know, like, maybe kids or grandkids you know what I mean like like yeah it's of course something... you would I mean my dad has the you know he's got the dot com wealth belt but that's that's the pride of the whole family you know the, the, I've got my three kids and stuff you know so they love yeah. that they love getting up and holding that and stuff and I'm sure it'll be the same for you it's as you say it's amazing that not everyone I can was, do that I was there when your dad got beaten by Nicky Piper oh, that's right in Wales yeah that that's, Wales. that's probably his best performance up until so, the ninth round we went over myself Amy McGee, Joe Egan, and Fra McCullough again. Oh, we right, went okay. over in Joe Egan's Jeep at that time. And the Jeep only had two seats in the front. So me and Eamon were in the back where okay. there's no seats. And uh, when you drive to Hollyhead, you have to drive 
to get the car that is about seven hour drive, like what a nuisance. But remember your dad was boxing and he's boxing great. And then I don't know who said it, but one of them said it could have been Eamon, but it was. just said, just said, oh, we've got this round coming up, and this round is like is is an unlucky round for your yeah, dad. The ninth round, he was he was stopped three times in his career in the ninth round for titles. Yeah. And yeah. fuck me. And I don't know whether he see you wonder do people have that in their head? I think like, yeah, well, like yeah. subconsciously. You never know. And I think Nicky was a he was coming on too. So probably the combination of the two. Yeah. Nicky was a yeah. great fighter as well, but still, yeah. Yeah, so we went over for that fight. That was that great. First play. No, that's I think I remember my dad saying that that there was a few who went over. Yeah. But listen, what I want to finish off, because you've given me so much of your time, Jim, I really appreciate it. Um, towards the end of your career, um, you ended up winning another two Irish titles and winning four all together, four different weights. And I mean, I think that's that's an amazing feat. That's that's something that I don't think anyone will ever do again. Tell me how proud are you that you end up getting up the light heavy. And, you know, as you say, you're, you're actually winning them and stopping guys to win these Irish titles as well. Yeah, so I won the, obviously, the, the first Irish title I won was the, the super middleweight one. Then I fought for the light middleweight one. Then I fought for the middleweight one. Now, when I fought for the middleweight one, um, I fought for Kevin Phelan, and I stopped him in the seventh round. But John Duddy was over, and he was doing the commentary for RTE. Mm-hmm. co-commentary because and his people were over and then they had mooted a fight for me and John to fight in Madison Square Garden that would have been a great fight <laughs> yeah so now John was John was a terrific fighter so John was the IBA world middleweight title holder that's right I was the IBC so was, two of us had smaller unification <laughs> yeah smaller world titles but it was fun it got to be for the Irish title but uh John was obviously a younger fighter than me, you know what I mean? And was probably a lot more active than me. But I always thought that, you know, yeah, I always thought that he, he cut, he cut it very Yeah, he did have a few bad cuts, that's right. I did a few bad cuts. So, like, I knew that he was certainly a younger and fresher fighter. But uh, I'd always said to myself, no, I'll, I'll, like, I'll easily match him for toughness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And fitness, yes. And then his youthfulness will probably be negated by his his the cuts that he gets and I was saying yeah, yeah. I might, might get him on the cuts or something like that but they came over the fight was meant to be in August Madison Square Garden we'd agreed to that and they never never sent contracts and we were at them and at them and at them and then I was going away to I had a holiday plan to Turkey and I remember saying to Brian Pierce listen I go to Turkey two weeks time I said if this fight's not come, if they don't send a contract I'm going, I'm not wasting time here. You know what I mean? So he said, I, I said, no, I'm going. So I went to Turkey anyway, but I was still kept up my training. And while I was over there, they said, right, listen, the fights had to be changed to um, Las Vegas now. Um, it's on a world heavyweight title fight. It was for about the 9th of August. And I said, yeah, that's fine. That'll do me. I said, um, send the contracts. You know what I mean? Never said the contracts. So the fight just fizzled out yes, then. Yeah. It's a shame because that would have been great. Oh, like, like win or lose, like it would have been a, like imagine fighting on a world heavyweight title. Yeah, of course, and I, you know what I mean. I, I, your two, your two uh, styles would have gelled, I think, really well, actually, because John was. Oh, I, I tell you, it would have been a humdinger of a fight now. You know what I mean? And no matter, no matter who, who won or lost, you can bet that that fight would have went the distance Absolutely. and would have been just. Probably should have had it in a phone box or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
but lovely fella, John Doody. You know, I mean, that's like you know, there was never anything but mutual respect yeah. from us. He was the younger guy, I was the older, sort of coming to the end of my career, but it never came off. But um, so that was the middleweight title fight, and then once I got that, I was the first person to get three Irish titles. At three that's, different that's, ways. So you were the first to get three, never mind four. <laughs> well. I was forced to get three. So then I just said to Brian Peters and I said to him, I said, why don't we get the light heavyweight? You know what I mean? Yeah. So then I think a year later we fought John Joe Finnegan. And really he was only a super middleweight anyway. Yeah. But he the fight was I think I weighed about twelve stone two. So I just weighed over the super middleweight limit yeah. and stopped him in the seventh round as well. But Again, like it's just it was Brian Pierce was all about, I and mean, he was a great man for Irish boxing. He was, oh god, yeah, I remember that. The Bernard Dunn around the 2000s, yeah. it was great, and on, on RT as well, which we're missing now. You don't get the domestic fights on RT, anymore. yeah. He got he put everything together, you know, he put the television package together, put the sponsors together, put everything together, never gets the credit that he deserves, yeah. Um, and and still is like he's very much involved, still. Katie Taylor, he's still, he's still involved there, is he? Oh, he is, yeah. I, I, to be a, a lot more fighters he's involved with that oh, okay. you would never, you Behind wouldn't the even scenes. know. Yeah, you wouldn't even know. Um, <laughs> but he, but like terrific guy, and uh, like I don't think, I don't think there's ever going to be anyone in Ireland again like him. I mean, he was the next one after Barney Eastwood. That's right. Yeah, you know, and uh, but unfortunately, there's no one has has been able to sort of replicate that now since no, then. No. You know. That's it, and a couple, just another couple of things, just to finish off on. Um, did you enjoy the uh the punditry that you used to do at RT? Because I also thought you spoke really well around that time. I remember uh, watching. You were still fighting, I think, at that time too. Yeah, I was fighting as well. Um, so again, Brian Peters, I have to thank for that. Right. Got me punditry. Um, because I mean, like, I didn't think I would have got a, a job working for RTE as such. You know what I mean? But um, I love doing it. I again every night, like if I was doing the fights. I'd do my notes out the night before, bring them in, recap them the next day, and so on and so forth. So I had all my facts right. Um, and I always think that I tried to, uh, I tried to be as honest as I could when I was talking. Yeah. And sometimes, like, you know, some fighters didn't like that. Some mm -hmm. Irish fighters even. Because I used to sort of say, you know, I used to say, listen, um, if they didn't fight well, I'd say it. Yeah. If I, if I thought you were beaten, I'd say it. But the, view, the viewers wrong. appreciate that. Yeah, so that's what I used to say. So loads of times I had fighters, they'd say to me, oh, listen, thanks very much. You spoke very highly of me. And I said, yeah, that's grand. I said, I say, but look, you know, see next time you fight, you see if you fight shy. <laughs> like, I'll be saying it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you'd say things and things. And the fighters never used to give me stick, but I used to get, I used to get stick off this fella from... Uh, he was a fan of Andy Lee mm -hmm. and he used to always give out to me and he used to say, oh, you don't give Andy Lee enough. And I used to say, listen, I say, I just, I, I just pick up some of the negative things and yeah. I say them. You know what I mean? I said like, but you're Andy coming Lee, from a good place. You're, you're coming from a place of maybe saying this is what he needs to work on if he wants to go yeah, up the like, level. Like, like I, I, and I remember, I, I think I said it to Andy a few months ago, like, so there was Andy Lee, there was John Duddy, and there was Matthew Macklin, right? So they were the three top middleweights from this country. You know what I mean? And I thought the three of them were great. But I always I always thought that Macklin was the best. Then I thought Duddy. Mm -hmm. And then I thought Andy Lee. 
And yet Andy Lee is the only one who won the world title. Out of That's right, yeah. Right? So like but but like because the way Duddy fights and the way Macklin fights, they'd be similar to me. I love that style of aggression yeah. as opposed to Andy a boxer. He's a lovely boxer. Yeah, beautiful just, boxer, yeah. I just loved I loved the the rough and tumble and I love the people that get in there and get stuck in and yeah, you know of course. and even if they're not fucking technically great but they make up for it with, with you know because they're, 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 they're so determined and that you know what I mean and that yeah. always came across in my commentary yeah but like yeah. but like although I always tipped Duddy and Macklin to be ahead of Lee Lee is the only one that got the world title yeah, so you have to salute him. Andy Lee and you have to Absolutely. say like, you know like like was I wrong I still don't think I was wrong, even though I was. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to admit it anyway. <laughs> no, no, because Andy's style just, like, like would Andy have beaten Macklin or beaten John Duddy? Uh, you know, I don't know, because their yeah, style would have... never happened. Yeah, their, their style would have really worked on him. You know what I mean? I think Andy at that stage as well, I suppose he was still up and coming. Andy probably didn't win that world title maybe five, six years after those fights you'd have been commentating on where he maybe probably. improved again, you know? Probably. But again, it's all styles and fights and fighters. I mean, like, like as I always tell people, like, I mean, if there's three people there. I mean, number one can beat number two and number two can beat number three. That's right. But number one can't beat three. <laughs> yeah. And do you, you remember know, over in England, you had Darren Barker, Martin Murray with Macklin and Andy Lee as well. There was that, it's a shame none of them ever really fought each other. You know, it was, uh, it was a great time for that uh, weight division. I only I was speaking to Martin Murray there a couple of weeks ago, and uh, a pal of mine here got a book and he gave it to me to read. So I sent it over to Martin to get him to sign it for yeah. me pal, and he sent it back. And they, well, it never came back. Then I get a letter off the customs. So you know the way Brexit has come in now. Yeah. So everything coming from England now has import duties and tax on them. So he wanted me to pay. Import duty in the book, and I have to get on to them and say, "Listen, this is my my well, it wasn't my book, it was my mate's book." But I said, "I sent this book to England to get signed. It's only been yeah. sent back to me. I had to send them the screenshots oh from me God. to Martin saying, will you sign this book when I send it over?'" So they went. They only there was only about fourteen. They wanted about fourteen quid. So the book was only about twenty quid. But Jeez, he wanted there you me go. To, wanted There's me what to, we don't see about Brexit. You these wee things. Yeah. That's one of the things, you know what I mean? So everything now is all taxes on it because it's coming from in England is outside the EU states, nah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So well, well, there you go. That's a different yeah. day. We won't, we won't go with the, the politics. No, of, no, of that, this, that's a podcast. different podcast altogether. Well, listen, last couple of things, Jim, I promise. Um, uh, the thing that I want to talk to you about is when I was Googling you earlier, right? As soon as you type in Jim Rock, do you know what the first picture is that comes up? Matthew McConaughey. Oh, Matthew, that's yeah. the photo so and then I looked into it there's a wee bit of a story there could you tell us a wee bit about how you got involved with Matthew McConaughey how did that come along the Hollywood star so Matthew was uh, making a film here in Wicklow called Rain of Fire um, I don't think it's done great now in the thing but anyway I got to meet him I don't know how I, I think I met him in a gym in Dublin uh, that we trained in the Olympus boxing gym and I became very good pals with him and then we like I used to spar him all the time, and I brought him. I brought him into Mountjoy Prison with me. Sometimes I used to go into Mountjoy Prison, and uh, I used to spar with all the prisoners. And the oh, same right. in St. Pat's Prison, I used to go in there 
and spar with all the prisoners in the yard wasn't a really good idea because you go into a prison yard and there's a hundred prisoners there. They want to make a name for themselves. They want to make a name for themselves and they don't want to lose face of course. in front of all the other prisoners. So they're trying to take your head off. Now, they don't have gum shields. So I never wore gum shields either. So what would happen was I wouldn't wear a gum shield because they didn't have one. But once there was blood spilled, the the prison wardens would normally call a halt to it. So when they got to, you know, like you can imagine these guys that pumping weights and all and they're huge and all that. They're very strong. You feel, but I'd immediately just bump, burst open my mouth on purpose. And then once the, the blood had come out, it would take it off. Yeah. But, I, but I had Matthew in there. Uh, I brought him in. He couldn't believe it. And he was, but he wasn't sparring the prisoners. I sparred yeah. all the prisoners. Then I was sparring Matthew in Mount Joy. And I have a picture of us all in Mount Joy prison and that. But uh, I trained him. He was making, he was making that film, and he was in a fight scene in it with Christian Bale. All right. And uh, so I trained him, and not for that fight, not for the film scene, but he just was involved in the boxing, and uh, so we became very good friends. And and how um, was he at the boxing? I was very good, very tough. He, yeah. he trained every day, and that I had him in Belfast. I had him in the gym. I had him yeah. in Brian's gym. Um, he was in Belfast then when I got married in two thousand and one. He came up for the wedding. Okay, um, I, like lovely fella. And I haven't seen he's him. a real cool. He's a real cool guy. Like yeah. was is he like on real life? He comes across yeah. very cool. Oh look, he's 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 gas. You know. Yeah. I think the last time I seen him, now that was about that was two thousand and. The end of 2000 and 2001 and then in 2006 we had a with a couple of dogs running in the greyhound derby in london and we went over there and um matthew was making the film called sahara in mm-hmm. france and so he flew from france over and spent the night with us there and it was sweet good crack with him but i but i haven't seen him since oh, you know no, what i mean but uh yeah, listen, lovely fella, and great times we had now. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's good. Just, I, just, I had to throw it in because when I seen that photo and then I read about it, I went, "I'm gonna have to ask him about that" because that's that's a great one to say. Yeah, are you again? It's all thanks to the boxing that you that you get to meet these people. You know, and I trained a few people like that. You know, I trained done a bit of training with Flatley, done a bit of training with Kirsten Winnick, um, done another bit with a couple of the lads out of Vikings. And then right. done a bit with uh on the Spice Girls and that. A couple of the Spice Girls are trained as well. You know what I mean? But uh the boxing opens the doors to all this, so no, that's fantastic. That's that's the thing, that's what I say. Boxing opened up so many doors for me and like open up doors like and again, like like when like I be in my garage and uh I do the commentary on RTE and then all of a sudden you get people come in. So obviously at home and they say, Oh he's your that's your man that has the garage there, and they just come in and so they might be looking for a car and they end up buying <laughs> one. Like everything sort of everything has a has a has a follow-on course from it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a domino effect, you know. That's so it. yeah. And so Jim, listen, life life's good today. I mean, your daughter you did, you mentioned earlier your daughter, fantastic boxer. I've just I was looking at her stuff there on Instagram, seven time Irish champion. She's doing great stuff. How were you always behind her getting into the boxing? You know, did you support that or were you a wee bit hesitant? Maybe, you know, it's your daughter. How did you Certainly. feel about it? So, my eldest son now, he's 35 now. He he was Irish champion Brilliant. twice when he was 13 and 14 or something. That was grand. 
Then my daughter, who's now 31 or something, she wanted a box years ago. And her mom rang me one day and said, she wants, and I said, I said, there's no way she's boxing. I said, you know what I mean? I said, boxing's not for girls. Right. Now that's 31 years ago, you know? Yeah. I said, no, no. I said, she's not fucking tell her to do ballet or Irish dancing or something. I said, she's not boxing. I said, I'm not bringing her boxing. I said, I don't agree with And I didn't agree with girls boxing. And, and that's just the way I was back then. But hence then, Casey's born in 2002. So in about 2008, she was six years of age. And I used to meet Pete Taylor, Katie's father, every Sunday for breakfast. And Casey always came with me for right. breakfast. Well, she came everywhere with me. You know what I mean? She glued to me hip. But um, I must have went to the toilet or something. When I was at the toilet, she said to Pete, I, I want the box. And Pete says, I come down to the gym tomorrow or something. So when I came back from the toilet, Pete says, oh, Casey says she wants the box. So she's coming down tomorrow night. You had no I choice. Was, I was looking at him like that. And I said, so anyway, I brought her down the next day. And... Pete puts her into spar and she gets into spar against uh, Matthew Tyndall. So he's he had his first pro fight there a couple of weeks ago, right? Okay. Young and Jake McMahon, who's Pete's nephew. Okay, right. So she gets into spar against the two of them who've been boxing a while and they gave her a few digs. And like, like, I never really was a fan of seeing me daughters getting punched in the face. Um, just, it doesn't matter if it's your daughter that gets punched in the face or my friend's daughter, but when it's your own daughter, it just feels a bit different. You know, you're looking yeah. at her and you're saying, for fuck's sake, you know. But the next day then, I meet Pete Taylor for, for coffee or something like that, and he says to me, well, how do you think yesterday going? I said, ah, oh, fuck, I don't really like it, Pete, you know. He says, ah, oh, but look, she's done well. I said, but she'd not seen a few digs she got, I says, and... He says, yeah, but you, did you see the way she handled it? He says, she just went, got stuck back in. He says, he said, like, where did she get that from? You know? Yeah. And I said, I know where she gets it from. I said, but it doesn't mean that I fucking like it. Mm -hmm. I said, like, I, whatever about a fella having a flat nose and all that. I said, it doesn't look that good on a girl. I said, I just, you know, and I still worry about, you know, uh, there's never been much publicized about it, but like, I mean, all the body punches, let's say that a fella gets and bloody blah, blah, like, and they're sore, you know, and they're hurtful punches. Mm -hmm. And the girls are getting, I mean, like, that's where they have all their reproductive organs and all yeah, that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd you wonder, like, 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 you know, there's no science involved at the moment, but you wonder, like, could it affect, you know, reproduction wise in females? Maybe not them all, but maybe in one or two of them, could it, could yeah. it damage them? You don't know these things, you know. I mean, like we know that it can damage the brain, and we know that fellas end up punchy, and mm -hmm. fellas lose their sight, and so on and so forth, and from different sort of blows to the head. So I mean, like, of course, it can do damage down there. So we don't know whether whether it, that's this. That's what I worry about. Let's yeah, say, from, of course. But you have to. You obviously you have to support her. That's she's that's oh, the path that she's on. She's doing fantastic at it too. Obviously, so I'm her biggest supporter. So I mean, yeah, like I, you know, but it doesn't mean you don't think about these things in the of background. Course. You know, and, and, and it's only natural. You know, but she is doing very well, and she still. I mean, like she still has hopes to go to the Olympics next year. But okay. it, it's become oh. like I think there's a couple of box offs coming up and. Hopefully she gets into one of them and we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? But uh, 
She's only 21 years of age. She's young. Okay, but exactly. She's a long way to she's go. Still very it's, young. it's great to keep the family name going anyway. And, well, that's know, it. That's it. Well, well, so a few a few months ago there, there was the Creed. Yes, you know, Creed the, 3. Yeah, that's seen. You were so, at the Premier, we're at, wasn't it? We're at the Premier. So she gets invited to the Premier. And she says, Dad, will you come in the Premier? I says, yeah, fair enough. So a couple of days later, she puts up on her. I don't do that on Instagram, but she obviously put it up. And she says, um, when your dad... When your dad comes as your plus one, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it wasn't she, you being invited, and you were taking her. She was being invited. That's she says, she's like, I'm, I'm bringing you now, Dad. You that's a change in the guard, right there. <laughs> that's exactly it. Do you know what I mean? So it's all good. Oh, that's brilliant. Listen, Jim, thank you so much. We've just spent a couple of hours chatting, and I, do you know what? When I'm thinking of people to do the podcast with, you're that's why I've contacted you a couple of times. I'm like, Fuck, I'd love to get them on. I just think it'd be really good, and you haven't let me down. I mean, absolutely fantastic. So I really appreciate you giving me that time, mate. Not about it. Not about it. All right. Take care all the best. And I'll be in touch when we put it out. And it'll be great to get everyone to listen to this. And say hello, say hello to the dad for me. I will do, mate. All right. Okay. All the best. Come on. Okay, everyone. So there you have it. That's uh, the Jim Rock podcast um, wrapped up. Um, yeah, I have to say, everyone, as uh, someone who's been doing this now for maybe just over a year, uh, that was one of those episodes that just the time absolutely flew by. Um, I could have listened to Jim talk all day and the stories and and that Dublin accent too, just absolute quality to the chat to and just listen to all those stories. Um, yeah, so it's amazing to hear. Um, for Jim, he's one of those boxers that I suppose uh very successful outside of the ring in his own right as a businessman, and you know obviously he's got his own uh, business selling cars and property and all these things, and also it's amazing to you know think that his uh the family name has been carried on with his daughter Casey doing fantastic things in the amateur career, and you know you never know hopefully getting the Olympic games, and she's won obviously many Irish titles, so that's that's fantastic as well. So yeah, thanks again to Jim for giving me his time. Uh, I really really enjoyed that one and hopefully um it gets out there to as many people as possible so yeah folks going forward hopefully um in the next week or so we'll get another podcast out um with another guest and yeah just keep listening and keep sharing and thanks for all the positive comments all the best